this morning, I, I kind of wanted to take a moment. We're, we're out of Timothy for a couple weeks, and I wanted to take a moment and just speak to kind of the season that our church finds ourselves in and the season that even my wife and I have felt ourselves in, and I know that some of you have as well. And I've been thinking a lot over the last few weeks about change. Um, I've, I've contemplated change like far and wide, both personally and as a church. And personally, Heather and I have been in the season of watching our oldest son turn 18, watching him graduate from high school, and then dropping him off at college a couple weeks ago. And many of you in this room I know have already experienced that in your lives, but this was a first for Heather and I, and something that I don't feel like anybody could have prepared us for. Um, we couldn't have been prepared for the emotions that have been stirred up in the last several weeks. But our church as well has undergone a lot of change in the past few years. And we're sort of on the brink of more change as we have staff transitions and new staff coming in. We have tons of new kids. I mean, like seeing all these children up here this morning is this reminder to us who have been around here a while. I mean, there's of that 15 that helped plant the church almost 14 years ago, there's at least like probably eight to 10 of them in this room this morning. And I'm reminded that when we started the church, either we did not have kids or we had very little kids. And as these families stood up here this morning, we realized in 14 years, God has created a family for us. And now our kids are moving on and they're getting older and we're watching the Lord bring new families in and new children and, and ushering in kind of a new season for our church. And then as well as sort of meteorologically, like we are on the brink of seasons changing just in our community, right? How many of you guys have seen the, the leaves are turning red and you're outside right now and you feel that it's like starting to get cool and pumpkin spice lattes have been serving for like four weeks now, which is absolutely insane. And you can just sense that there is change on the horizon. How many of you guys are excited about fall? Yeah, see, like, there's those of you that love fall, and then there's those of you that realize that fall leads to somewhere else, right? And, and um, I fall in that camp. Like, for me, it's like, I love the feeling of fall. I hate what fall leads to, which is tons of snow and a brutal winter. If you're new to this area, I'm really sorry. Um, I'm just going to call it as it is. Like, it's going to suck for, like, two or three months. And it'll be good because when you come out of it, it's going to be amazing and you're going to get this awesome spring and summer. But I've been specifically thinking about how oftentimes we blaze through seasons of life and just move right into the next. And sometimes without even stopping to mourn the loss of the last season and to prepare our hearts for what lies ahead. Oftentimes in churches... Uh, pastors and leaders want to just kind of keep things moving. And I've been thinking about this a lot lately. You have these significant changes that happen in staff and the church body and to churches over the years. And oftentimes it's sort of like in our nature to just want to like push through it and get to the next season and at times like try to save face and act like everything is great and we're moving on and you know it's the it's going to be the best year yet and so we push through and the reality is this is that we cannot navigate significant change in life without acknowledging our pain and our grief of what we're losing while also being reminded of the good that can come in the next season 
And sometimes we need to stop and take a breath. Like I've been saying that a lot lately. I just feel like it's time to catch my breath. Like when a lot of change happens at once, we want to push into the next and hope that the next season is going to be so much better and use the feeling of the better to cover up the mourning and the grief of the loss of the last season when sometimes we just need to stop and feel it. Sometimes we need not to push through. And sometimes we need to praise God for what he did and what we were able to be a part of while also acknowledging that a new season is coming. And though the next season will look different, we still acknowledge the fact that God is in control of our seasons and he never changes and that his plans are always good. And so I wanted to take a moment this morning to remind us of how we can understand change and grieve the loss of one season while actually anticipating the next. And so I wanna leave this morning being able to mourn what things once were in our lives, but not live in that place forever. We can stop to mourn and we can thank God for seasons past and we can also rejoice in what's next and also rejoice in who it is that owns the seasons. The passage we're going to look at this morning has been a very familiar passage in the book of Ecclesiastes, one of the more well-known passages in scripture. It's used a lot, featured in a 1965 hit by the birds called what? Turn, turn, turn. Uh, Come on, you know, you want me to sing it for you? In every season. You guys, this is horrible. (laughs) But as we break down this passage and look at it a little more in depth this morning, we get to hear this promise this morning. That there's beauty in every season and every time in our life because there's a God who's not only sovereign over every single detail of our life, but he's also beautiful and he's good and God is full of love. And this morning I want us to see how this wonderful, beautiful, amazing, hope-filled news, how amazing this news actually is. And so let's pray real quick and then we'll get into it. Jesus, we thank you for this time. We thank you for your word. We thank you for changing seasons. And I pray for our church, God, that in a season where there's lots of change and movement and new things, God, I pray that we could mourn and grieve what once was while also setting our eyes and our trajectory on what lies ahead. I thank you, Jesus, that we don't have to be fake and cover things up, that there are moments in church where we get to be family and be real and say, the season is hard. There are moments when we ask others to come around us and to lift our hands up and to pray with us, that we be strengthened, God, that the loss and the grief of leaving one season doesn't leave us incapacitated for what it is you have next. But I pray this morning for your hand to be upon your church, that you love her and guide her, protect her, watch over her, and that you lead us into the next season that you have for us in Jesus' name, amen. Last July, uh, just a a little over a month ago, was the four-year anniversary of my wife's mother's passing. And for those of you who didn't know, my wife's mom battled dementia and then ALS for a little over two years. And in the end, her body just sort of couldn't take it anymore. But as my wife was sort of preparing for that four-year anniversary, we were talking through what she was feeling and experiencing leading up to that moment. I was reflecting on what God has done over the last four years. And there's been a lot of change in our lives and in our family. It's been difficult to navigate at times. However, this week I was thinking about one thing that has not changed. And that's that God has given us this call, we believe, that he's placed this call in our lives to preach his word, 
to, to be obedient in that. And the Lord sort of caused me to reflect on what it means to preach his word, what it means, of the, what is the role of a, of a preacher? Like, what's my main responsibility? And what's the ultimate aim and purpose of preaching and teaching? And how does it serve the life of Christ's body as we gather together in this place this morning? And so ultimately, what's the main goal of any preaching? Now, I, I wanna share a quote with you that I came across as I was reflecting on these questions. And I think it beautifully sums up two things. One, what our greatest need is. And two, how the preaching of God's word meets our greatest need. And I want you to hear this quote closely. People are starving for the greatness of God, but most of them would not give this diagnosis of their lives. The majesty of God is an unknown cure. There are far more popular prescriptions on the market, but the benefit of any other remedy is brief and shallow. Preaching that does not have the aroma of God's greatness may entertain for a season, but it will not touch the hidden cry of the soul, show me your glory. People need to hear God-entrenched preaching. They need someone to lift up his voice and magnify the supremacy of God because this is our greatest need, to hear and see and treasure, not our greatness, our greatness but the greatness of God. <clears throat> what an amazing and powerful statement. Now, I find this statement not only to be true, but I find this statement also freeing because I honestly stand before you guys this morning and my goal is to not make you laugh and my goal is to not make you like me. Our purpose this morning is not to entertain the masses because you guys could go anywhere and you could find entertainment in so many different things that our culture has to offer you. Like, go find it out there. The church does not exist as a place to entertain the masses. Our goal and our privilege this morning is to be able to stand before you to point others to God, which is a huge and weighty responsibility. And so I look at this time we have on a Sunday and I realize what an honor it is for us to our, our teaching team that rotates up here week in and week out, I realize what an honor it is for us to teach the word, to, to tell us and remind us and give us the cure for our troubled lives and our sick hearts, like it's his word. And I believe that he's speaking to us this morning. And so what is it that we need to hear? We need to hear this, that God reigns, that God is supreme, that God is sovereign over every single thing in our lives, every time, every season that we go through. To quote Joey Swope, that God is what? in control. He's in control of not just everything that happens in our lives, but he's in control of the entire world. Like that's who God is. He's the king. He's preeminent. He's the creator and we are the created. And so he is what's most valuable in this universe. And if we haven't realized it yet, we are not what's most valuable in this, this universe, even though we like to think that at times. His timing is perfect and not ours. His plans are perfect and not ours. And this is what uh, the 13 verses of chapter three of Ecclesiastes Ecclesiastes is telling us, it's shouting this to us this morning, that God is telling us through his word that everything that happens in our lives, every season, every time, comes about at God's choosing. And so I want you to look at Ecclesiastes 3, verses 1 to 8 to start. I guess say a word when you're there. Are you with me? You good? No? Awesome. Great. Okay, verse 1. For everything there's a season and a time for every matter under heaven a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, 
a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to seek and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to cast away, a time to tear and a time to sow, a time to keep silence and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. In this passage, God's word is reminding us, it's telling us, it's sort of screaming to us this morning that every single thing that happens in this world happens at the time that our sovereign, good, and beautiful God chooses. Everything. Like God chooses the time that you would be born and God chooses the time that you will die and God is in control of everything in your life between the cradle and the grave. Every single event in your life, every season, the good times and the bad times, the times of weeping over the loss of someone that you love, the, the, the miraculous cry of your firstborn child, like the, the season of singleness in your life, the time of marriage, the season of having plenty and the season of barely getting by, the season of a new job and the season of waiting for something else, the season of changing diapers, right? Anyone love changing diapers in this room? When your kids turn 18 and they move out of the house to go to college, there's an odd portion of you that wishes you could change a diaper or two again. And I hate diapers. I changed my very first diaper when my son was born. Like that was, I'd never done it before. And I was like, Ugh. like I just, I couldn't even hold it in. You can ask my wife. Like it was just, my gag reflexes were out of control. I'm only doing this because I love you, you know, like. Uh. But now as I look at my kids, what I realize is that that was a really good season. Maybe not at 2 a.m. in the morning, <laughs> but it was a good season. There's a season of first dates. There's a season of uncertain times of sickness, and there's times of good health, and there's times of heartbreak and times of embrace. Like every single thing that we taste and that we experience, the times uh, uh, in, the, in the seasons of our lives, everything that happens in our lives happens by God and for God. Every single season, every single time that comes into our life comes and goes by the will of a good and loving and sovereign God. And so now th this is somewhat easy to believe and, and easy to accept when things are going well in your life. That God's good and he's in control. And, and, and when things are well in your life, that's very easy to believe. But what about when difficult and painful seasons arrive in your life? Not so much, right? Like, it's harder to believe and to accept this truth in the hard times and in the pain and dark seasons of your life, especially when we hear these words in verse 11. Look at it. God has made everything beautiful, everything beautiful in his time. Like, really? Like, man, there are seasons that we go through and we wonder, like, how can a good God do this? How can anything beautiful come out of the season that we're in? However, it's in those painful times and those dark seasons of our lives that the reality is that we find ourselves longing to see what's good and beautiful even in those dark seasons of our life, those painful seasons of our life. And so we're asking the question to seek understanding. Listen, have you ever asked God the question why? Anybody in this room? 1% of you, come on now. Have you ever asked God the question, why? Have you ever asked that in the midst of a painful and dark season of your life? Like, why, God? Why would you allow this? Why would you usher this in? And it's kind of a silly question, right? Like, it's a given. 
We've all asked this question and we can all relate to this because this is part of the human experience. Deep down, we're hardwired to desire to know the future of what's coming. We want to know what's next. We're, we're hardwired to ask the question, why? We're born that way. And so we, we want to seek understanding of why God is doing exactly what he's doing. Why is he bringing this time and this season upon my life? And it's absolutely natural for us to ask this question. However, and I know this is really difficult, we're not promised that God will give us the answers to our why. And that's what the last part of verse 11 means. He says that God has put eternity into man's heart. That he's placed eternity in your hearts. Which means that he's put this desire, this innate desire within us to see the good, to see the beauty, to, to seek understanding, to try to understand what's going on and what's coming next. And yet, so that we cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. So in other words, God has given us this desire to want to know and to seek understanding and to know what's coming in the future, but he does not give us the satisfaction of fully understanding why he does what he does because the understanding of the why he does what he does belongs to God and God alone. And we, if we did not know it, are not God. We may not like this passage and this truth, but I think as we'll see, it's actually really good news because at the end of the day, church, we are not the ones orchestrating the events and the times and the seasons of our lives. You are not making them happen for yourself, God is. And we are not the ones in control of what's next, God is. We are not the ones writing the story of our lives, God is. And ultimately, this is a beautiful and a good and a great thing, why? Because we make absolutely terrible gods of ourselves. We are not good gods. We're finite, we're weak, we're limited, we're incapable of doing perfect goodness or good outside of God, but God himself, he's infinite. He's all-knowing, he's all-powerful, he has the authority over all things in the universe, and one thing that exists in the heart of God is perfect goodness, and he loves his creation more than we could ever imagine, and more than we could ever hope for, and because this is who God is, we can trust in this promise that even in the darkest, the most painful seasons of your life, that God has and will make everything beautiful in his time, why? Because it's who God is. And it's interesting, in 14 years of pastoring this church, I can finally, at 45 years old, after a lot of life and a lot of experiences up and down, I can finally look back at 14 years and see the good of some of the most painful seasons that we've been through. Like, I finally have that perspective on some of those seasons. In four years since Heather's mom's passing, I can see a bit of the good and beautiful things that have been orchestrated now as we look back on the last four years. My wife is a different person. She's different as a result of this. She's grown. My wife can sit and understand these seasons of life with people that I cannot in a way that I cannot. And it's often not until years after a painful season in our lives that we can look back and see the good and the beauty that God can and will bring through really tough seasons of our life. And I couldn't see it then, but I do now. And I'm sure, I'm sure you're with me. Like those painful and those dark seasons as you've experienced them, you cannot see anything in that moment, in that season. 
But if you look back, you can see the good and the beauty that God was working in your life through really dark and painful circumstances. It may not have been the story that you would have chosen or written for yourself. Probably not because it was painful and it hurt and it felt dark and you were in a season where you didn't know how to make sense of what it was you were going through and you still sit there this morning with tons of unanswered questions and whys, why did that, God allow that to happen? But this is what I've come to see and understand is that when God brings about a painful and a dark season or a time in our life, it's meant to do one thing and I want you to hear, if you don't hear anything else this morning, when that season comes in your life, it's meant to do one thing and that's to wake you up to your greatest need. What's our greatest need? Our greatest need is for God and God alone, period, end of story. That is our greatest need. And the truth is oftentimes when, when things are going good in our lives, we find ourselves seeking and, and desiring and needing and wanting God less. Like in the good seasons, we don't need him. And we find ourselves seeking security and safety and happiness and satisfaction in his gifts, not in him alone. And in the painful and dark seasons of our lives, it's actually meant to be that this means of grace that God's like sort of brings about this grace in our lives to be this megaphone that's shouting to us over and over again, all you need is me. Like I am sufficient, I am enough. I made you for me. Like apart from me, you will find no rest. You will find no satisfaction. You will find no true security. You will find no safety. All you need in this life and the life to come is him. And it's really ironic that I'm starting to see this more and more clearly as a result of walking through really painful seasons and dark seasons in my own life, that all I have is him. And it sounds so cliche, but all I need is him. And the same is true for you and I. All we have is him and all we need is him. Nothing can take this away from us, like absolutely nothing. I remember watching my grandma, like being in the ER and watching my grandma breathe her last breath, which was such a trippy experience because I'd never had somebody that close to me pass away. And I remember standing there watching, like I still can't get the image out of my mind, but I, watched, I remember watching my grandma take her last breath and I remember thinking to myself that everything that my grandma loved in this world was taken from her in that moment. That every season that God brought about in her life had actually come to an end at that moment. And that the grave was sort of waiting for my grandmother. But that wasn't the end to her story. Because of the work that God did in his perfect timing through the work of Jesus, like that promise of everlasting life is the story for her and us if we are in Christ. There will come a time where we will finally be at rest. There will come a time where we will finally be whole. There will come a time in our life where we finally understand perfection. There will come a time when we will experience endless peace, like a time when we can finally enjoy the presence of God and enjoy the fullness of God's glory, like uninterrupted. And it will be the most satisfying thing that you and I have ever experienced when we transition from this life into eternity. But there will come a time where we won't need anything else because we have him and he has us finally and we have everything that we need and this is absolutely beautiful and good. Church, this is actually our story. 
This is our story for in Christ, that this time will come. We will finally receive what we're ultimately longing for in this life, and that is ultimately him. At the end of the day, he is what we're longing for. But until then, what do we do? What do we do in the already but not yet? What do we do today? And this is what our past is telling us, and this is what I've come to see to be beautiful and good and true. If you look at verses 12 and 13 in chapter 3 of Ecclesiastes, he says this, I perceive that there is nothing better for them than to be joyful and to do good as long as they live. Also that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in all his toil. This is God's gift to man. Listen, when you, when you experience a time when something or everything that you love in this world is taken from you, it actually wakes you up to truly live in that moment. If you've experienced that, you know what I'm talking about. It wakes you up to truly live today, not tomorrow, but today. You don't start living when the next season that you're looking for comes your way. We live right now, like today. Because when those things are taken away, we begin to realize that it's truly a gift from God and that everything in our life is a gift from God to be enjoyed today. And so those things can be taken from us in a blink of an eye. And so enjoy them now. I mean, really, really enjoy the things you have now because the season will come and go. And there's an opportunity for you to enjoy the season now because I know what'll happen. How many of you are looking forward to watching the leaves fall off the trees and watching the seasons change? And then come January, February, when there's two feet of snow on the ground and you're sick of it being 20 degrees outside, what are you gonna be saying? I want what I had. <laughs> Unfortunately, that's the way we live our life, is constantly pointing back to what we once experienced, hoping that we can recreate that. And honestly, as I see changes in our church throughout the years, there's a tendency in me, the older I get, to want to reach back to what I once had, to continue to have experience that over and over again, time and time again, because that felt comfortable, that felt safe, I knew that, and that was a good experience. Everything else ahead of me seems so uncertain. But if the promise holds true, I have nothing to worry about the next season. In fact, if the promise holds true, I have everything to rejoice that no matter what the next season looks like, it's gonna be a redemptive opportunity for me to see Christ move in my life like no other time before, no matter how much I experience and what I go through in this life. So can you be thankful for the season that God has you in right now in this time? Because this is exactly where a good and loving and sovereign and beautiful God wants you to be right here, right now. And I know this could be difficult, so you may have to sort of cling on to this promise. Like in spite of how you feel, which is so hard for me at times. I often think the older I get and the, the more I walk with Jesus, the more I have to continue to remind myself that he is good and that he is faithful, that he is with me, that I have nothing to fear in the next season. Like I feel like I have to keep reminding myself of these things because everything in me wants to freak out in these seasons. I have to remind myself that he is good, that God actually is sovereign, that he sees me that he's amazing, he's beautiful, that he wants me to be with him. And it's because of him that you get to hear the sound of your baby crying at 2 a.m. And some of you right now are like, I wish that would stop. It's because of him that you get to experience that moment. 
He is putting the cry in your child and giving you everything you need to take care of your child in that moment. Take advantage of these moments. It's because of him that you're in a job that you love, some of you. And for some of you, it's because of him that you're in a job that you may not like, but it's providing for you in this season in the ways that you need it. And it's because of him that you have a place to live. Like the, the season of your family's life right now is a season he's given you to actually enjoy. And it may be difficult. And, and the promise is a new season will come. But until we have, we, we have to seek to enjoy the season that he's given us, we need, to be to seek, we need to seek to be a content people. Like he says in that passage, again, verses 12 and 13, also that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in all his toil. This is God's gift to man, that you would enjoy this moment right now. Take full advantage of the moment that, he give, that he's given you. And what I've found in my life, and what's really sad, actually, is that for 45 years, most of the time, I'm looking to the next season of my life, hoping that the next season is gonna give me what I ultimately desire and what I ultimately want, but it never does. And I continue to hit repeat. Maybe this season will give me finally what I ultimately desire. Maybe this next season will give me that. And I just want to move on, but it always fails. And so as of late, it's caused me to wake up and to realize what God has given me today is actually meant for me to be, to enjoy it. It's meant to be enjoyed. My kids, my family, my job, you guys, this church. Like we need to take every opportunity to enjoy this right now because it's a gift and it's a gift from him. And so what's the application to all of this? What do we do with all of this? And I think it's pretty simple. It's not easy, but it's simple. Today, right now, maybe we just stop and we open our eyes and we see the goodness of God. Maybe we stop today, we open our eyes and we acknowledge the goodness of God. Maybe in a season or a time that you would prefer to not be in right now, you're gonna stop in the midst of that season, you're gonna open your eyes and you're gonna acknowledge the goodness of God. And I guarantee you that there are things in your life that when you look hard, when you open your eyes to actually acknowledge what's taking place, you'll actually see that God is right there with you, that you aren't as alone as you think you are, and that he deeply, deeply loves you, that he's taking care of you, that he promises to do all things for our good, like all things. And I know in the moment, you may not see that. Like, I haven't often been able to see it in the moment for myself. Like if someone would have told me that in my darkest moments, I could see God and experience God, I'd be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. All I see is darkness, all I see is pain, and all I feel is this hurt. Like I'm actually pretty numb to it. And so this morning I wanna remind you, through his word, that he promises to make everything beautiful in his time. That's his promise to you. I'm gonna invite the worship team to come up. And we may not fully understand the why of all of this until we're finally with him, which I cannot wait for that day. But it's the truth. 
that he will make everything beautiful in his time. And so we cling to that. Like if you need help understanding that and seeing that, then look right at the work of Christ. I want you to see Jesus himself. I want you to look at his body broken. I want you to look at his blood shed. I want you to see a God who actually knows suffering. I want you to see a God who actually tasted pain. To see a God that was in the thick of it all, like in the midst of it all, knew it. Like, how could a good God bring his own son through that pain and that horrific moment? But the ultimate plan that he had was beautiful. It was actually for your redemption. It was to save you. It was so that you could experience him in similar times of pain and suffering and difficulty in your life. And so even though we may not see it, we can trust that God is good. We can trust that God is sovereign, that he's beautiful, and ultimately, ultimately, that's the best news ever, isn't it? So I have no idea where you guys are at this morning, where you find yourself. I find myself in a space right now, to be radically honest, where I'm unsure. Like, I know God is good and faithful, and I've seen him carry me through hard seasons, but I find myself in a season now where it just seems like, God, what are you doing? God, give me your perspective. Because left to myself, all I see is a lot of pain and difficulty and exits of eras and seasons and things that I'm grieving the loss of. And it's good sometimes to sit in those moments. And really what I wanted to share with you guys from my heart this morning is like, there's no desire in me to push through and try to get on and cover it up and act like everything's fine. Because the reality of it is sometimes we sit in those seasons and we allow ourselves to mourn and to feel the loss of what we once had. And it's in those seasons that we feel that, we experience that, that we're reminded that we aren't alone in that and that there's a new season ahead, amen? There's something new for you. God is recalibrating things. He's working new things in your heart and the reality is everything that you've experienced and that's been stored up within you over years that you thought was the worst things possible, God will use for his good and that will be the arrow that he launches at the enemy, that the things the enemy meant to steal, kill and destroy and take you out, God will use to bring life and to bring life abundantly. That's the work he's doing in your life. What an amazing thing if the church actually lived that way. Because we all see the world right now and we understand that the world is in pain, that there's uncertainty, that they're not grounded or anchored anywhere. There's no hope. They don't understand true freedom. But you've got the answer to it all. And when the church spins out as much as the world because we can't be reminded of the simple truth and promise that he's with us and that he sees us, that he's carrying you through this season, that in fact he's orchestrated it and he's the one in control of it and that he'll bring you into the next. Like that should be the thing that we rejoice in as the church. That should be our testimony to the world that we have nothing to fear because God uses all things for his purposes and his glory, amen? Would you guys stand with me? I wanna pray for you. And uh, if you would just bow your heads close your eyes just to kind of honor the people around you. I want to take a moment this morning to ask a simple question like, are there any of you in this room that find yourself in a season where it's difficult to make sense of what's going on and you feel the deep pain, you feel 
hurt, you feel loss and grief, if that's you this morning, would you raise your hand? Keep your hands up. Don't be ashamed of that. Like, I'm going to raise my hand with you. And I want to pray for us this morning that God would meet us in this place and remind us that he will not waste an ounce of the season that you're in for his redemptive purposes. Let's pray. Father, we're so grateful and so thankful for your word because it's your word which you've spoken to us. You've given us the Holy Spirit for understanding and we're so grateful and thankful that you've spoken to us. We're so thankful that you desire for us to know you, for us to know who you are. You tell us who you are, that you are sovereign and that you are good, that you are beautiful and you are loving. And we rejoice in that this morning, Jesus. We find our hope in that this morning, Jesus. We find our confidence and our security and our safety in that truth and that truth alone, that you are working in all things for our good, that everything that we taste and experience in this life comes by you and for you. And you promise to make everything beautiful in your time, Lord. Help us this morning to believe that truth. In the midst of painful and dark seasons and seasons that we wish would not be in our lives. Will you, Jesus, help us to cling to that truth and help us with our unbelief? Because we believe you can handle that. We know that and we thank you for that. And we pray this in Jesus' mighty, mighty name. Amen. As we spend some time worshiping together, I'm gonna invite you guys forward. We have our prayer team that'll be up here to, on these carpets to my right and to my left. And I wanna encourage you this morning, as I did a couple weeks ago, that these moments after we open God's word, we worship together, we experience even the familial nature of the church, and community, fellowship, the power of the spirit, these are opportunities for us to respond to what God is doing in our hearts. There's some of you this morning that rejoice because you find yourself in a season, you've exited the hard one and you find yourself in this place where you're like, thank God I'm out of that last season and I can rejoice where God has me. You should take the time this morning to pray and to thank God that he has you where he wants you. What an amazing thing that you get to experience that this morning. There's, other, there's other, others of you in this room that find yourself in a season where you just feel like it's been blow by blow and you just can't make sense of where you're at. You're wondering where God is and why things are happening. And this morning, you need the ultimate reminder that he's with you and he's for you, that he planned and purposed this season. There's something good and redemptive that will come out of this. And I wanna encourage you as we worship this morning, if you need prayer, come forward. Like it is a joy for us as the church to stand with, to labor with one another in prayer, to turn each other towards the Lord, to remind us of the goodness of God and to know that we aren't in this alone. Not only is he with us, but he's surrounded us with people that are with us as well. And so as we worship, if you wanna come forward and receive prayer, come grab somebody from our prayer team and we'd love to pray with you. On that note, let's take some time to worship and acknowledge who God is because you're gonna exit this building this morning and you're gonna forget most of what I said and you're gonna go back to life 
And in this brief moment that we get, may we take every opportunity we have to worship and to turn our hearts and our minds and our lives to the one who deserves, deserves all praise and honor and glory. Amen.